Mr. Pop. Dark. When the little birds are nasty, and I listen to them too, there's too lonesome people in the whole wide world. That's me and the man in the moon. Hello and welcome to Skatonic University Radio, a podcast exploring Fantasy Flight Games' Arkham Horror the Card Game. I'm Dane. I'm Dan. I'm Ben. And today, we're going to discuss our experience and thoughts on the first four scenarios in the Innsmouth Conspiracy. Right, we are we are now exactly halfway through the conspiracy, which, if you're familiar with conspiracies, is right when it starts to get interesting. So, <laughs> yeah. that's that's where we're at. Obviously, spoilers for Innsmouth Conspiracy ahead. Also, we are... What's... Is there a... What's the name for like halfway between low tide and high tide or something? Is that a name? Because that's also where we're at now. Mid tide, mid yes, mid, middle tide <laughs> is where is partially flooded tide. Yes, uh, tide tide. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, me, me, medium tide. Tide is where we're at. Just tide. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 been pretty cool so far. So I think we're gonna talk about each of the scenarios that we played so far. We're gonna talk a little bit about what we think of the mechanics and themes so far, based on the first half of it. Before we do that, though, just to put things in context, so Ben and I are playing a three-player playthrough on Standard with our friend Colin, uh, and we are playing uh, Amanda, Dexter, and Sister Mary. I'm playing Amanda, Ben's playing Dexter, Colin's playing Sister Mary, um, and it's going quite well so far. We had a couple of, of uh, deaths in one scenario, but we made it through. We've gotten a lot of XP and like delved a lot. So that's been pretty cool. Dane, what is, what's your playthrough situation like for this campaign? So I'm playing with Harrison. We're playing um, on standard with Tony, who selected Survivor as his subclass, and Amanda. And we are absolutely wrecking uh, fishes across uh, Innsmouth. So we've been having a lot of fun. I, uh, I I feel a little bit vindicated that uh, Amanda seems pretty good. Right? <laughs> I think that I might be like a I'm, massive understatement. Yeah, I I feel like uh, Amanda Amanda has been extremely fun to play, and I think also quite quite strong. So that's been cool. And honestly, uh, Ben's Dexter deck has done a lot of really good stuff as well. So oh yeah, I think cool. Dexter's pretty cool too. I'm excited to play him. Yeah, I want to give him a try. Um, but anyway, so that that's kind of what our uh, what our playthroughs are like in our our groups. So why don't we just dive into the first scenario? Yeah. So the first scenario is the pit of the, of despair. Starting off on the right foot here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. More more like the the party of. Uh, no, I, I don't. Nope. Even, I don't have anything good. But. <laughs> <laughs> so it is. It is a really grim name for an opening scenario. Yeah. Well, I mean, we start off like lying in the mud in some dark, dank tunnel. Uh, with like no memory of what what's going on or how we got there. Yeah, that sucks. And the whole the whole theme of the scenario is like trying to get out of these tunnels, which are being are slowly filling up with water. Not that slowly, actually, pretty quickly filling up with water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, while we're being chased around by fish people, so you know it's quite quite a a kickoff to the campaign. Yeah, it really, really just puts you right in there. Yeah. So I guess uh, so. This campaign, this scenario, like pulls in a lot of the new mechanics that were introduced for this whole campaign. It has the new keys mechanic, which we saw originally in uh, old iteration of it. We saw originally back in uh, the Witch campaign, the Greater, for the greater Good. Greater Good, yeah, uh, yeah, for the Greater Good. Um, and so they decided to just double down on it, and it's we see that in all of the scenarios, or almost all of the scenarios uh, so far. Yeah. Where there's like these key objects, we don't know which keys they are until we go and find the locations, and we need to find them to unlock or, or trigger something in other locations. So like a, a big theme is like moving around the map and finding these keys and then taking them to the right place. Yeah, it, it it seems like either the keys are used to gate, you know, being able to like progress or enter certain locations, or they're just used as like extra bonus things you can do to get XP and flashbacks. Yeah. But yeah. Either way, they, yeah, they they have been used in every scenario, I think. And then this whole, this whole scenario had like a big like was it like a three by five map or a five by three whatever? It's very big. I thought this one was kind of a weird. Uh, it started out as kind of like a pyramid shape, and then depending on it was like pallid mask where the direction that you go determines how it expands. Yeah, it starts off as like a. Is that this one? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then you put locations to the right or to the left, to the bottom, to the right of locations oh, yeah. as when the agenda or, or act advances, and then after that, every time you move you reveal a new set of those i think 
Yeah, like early on you can't expand it, so you explore a little bit, I think, yeah. right? And then you yeah. and then you can start to explore and it expands down. It's cool. It's very reminiscent yeah. of like if you were actually at an intersection in a cave, you know, like what you could you could, you only can see what you could see. So Yeah. It it, it really it really evokes the, the feeling of being stuck in like a kind of tunnel system underground where there's like a lot of, you know, pipes that you can climb through or passages, but it's sort of labyrinthine. I, I like that a lot. That was really neat. Yeah, I think that the keys do a pretty good job at like kind of evoking some flavor too, because they're not just like, here's some random keys we did for mechanics. Each of the keys is like, this is an ivory key that's like a conch cell, but with some blood on it. You know, each of the the scenario guides actually tells you in the intro, like what it is, or when you find it, it tells you what it is or something. It tells you in the scenario guide. I kind of wish that was like in the scenario somewhere rather than, because I I pick it up and I'm like, oh, what does this represent again? I have to go back and look, but it's still, (laughs) it's still, it's still, you know, it's still cool. I like that. Yeah. And I think you're part of what we're trying to find in those tunnels is they're we're trying to find like the gate out or something, but it's sealed. But and we need a certain keys to unlock it. I think is that I remember correctly. Yeah, you're basically. I trapped. wrote down a bunch of notes, and I've already forgotten half the stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you have to you have to get to. There's like one exit from the underwater, you know, pipe maze. Yeah, it's like a sewer grate, and and you have to have. I think it's either a specific key or like one of two keys to get out of it. Yeah. And then the the other keys are used for unlocking the memories that of like how you got here, uh, and those like give, finding those memories are kind of like they're not required to complete the scenario, so they're kind of like uh, extra stuff you can try to go for. And I, we see that in a lot of these scenarios is there's like extra kind of mini quests or like a sub goal to complete uh, to get you extra XP or benefits or story or all yeah. Above. I love that part of it. And I think that, so I guess one thing that, that sets Innsmouth conspiracy aside, aside from like fish people and it being an Innsmouth <laughs> is the chaos bag initially has like 20 tokens in it. And then super mega spoilers, as you learn more about your past and what's transpired in this huge conspiracy, you pull these tokens out of the bag. So they, it becomes less scary. And then we'll talk a little bit about more well, what that means later yeah. on. <laughs> Yeah, so like the finding the keys and the memories in this scenario, you get to take out a certain token for each memory, I think. Yeah, exactly. Which is kind of weird. I almost would have thought it would be the opposite. Like you would add tokens to the bag as you recovered your memories. But I guess it's, you know, I mean, this this, this works too. It's fine. Because sw- we, we switch between different timelines of the present and the past in this. And there's like maneuvering the tokens around and the way experience is spent is I think supposed to invoke like, oh, we're flashing back. So we have slightly different uh, state between. I don't know if it works perfectly, but I, I get what they're going for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think we'll talk more about that later. We have some thoughts on uh, how that is implemented. <laughs> yeah. but, uh... There's pros and cons for sure. So the other thing that's going on in the scenario, I think like halfway through, we find the uh, amalgam, which is like a giant oh, yeah. uh, fish monster with like a thousand fish faces. And also Thomas, who's a guy that's dead pretty gross but he's actually not that scary right he's he's only like three health or something but then like he keeps coming back he like dives underwater and like pops up in places like the only like encounter cards that are like from this scenario i think are the ones related to him the rest of them and every time he does you have to make the murloc noise and it's very (laughs) 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 yeah i can't do it yeah what else is going on oh yeah and then the, the whole the whole place was flooding like each agenda um i think like another level filled up until like the third agenda like just everything's underwater and you have to like figure out how to swim around and not drown yeah Um, yeah by the end of it there's like a couple specific locations that can't flood and those are the only places where you can kind of like breathe and get a full you know tank of air basically yeah so you sort of have to you have to like carefully swim between those that's pretty cool it's random where the placement is it like evokes a platformy feel where like when you're in you know zelda or metroid or whatever and you're jumping down below liquid and you've got like a little breath meter and you have to kind of pop up for area every once in a while to fill up the underground rivers are i think the locations that that where that's the case they just can't be fully flooded it's like there's a whole sort of like cultural like meme or whatever of uh people who are like oh yeah i was traumatized as a kid by like the sonic the hedgehog like drowning music (laughs) because it was so tense and it was like so stressful it's like it's like that but for a whole scenario it's actually pretty cool so and by scenario you mean campaign because it comes back (laughs) yeah we we definitely see it again later but this one in particular really hammers it home so far this is the most like drowning type scenario that i think we've had to deal with but yeah yeah, well at at least in our this i'm pretty sure this was a scenario that colin and i both died in i don't think we drowned i think we slowly died to other stuff 
Um, so you, what I but... what I remember happening is we had just made it to the last agenda where it gets almost everything is flooded and it becomes a lot harder to move around. Yeah. And there was just a tricky... Colin had some kind of encounter card that was making it hard for him to move, like get an enemy on him or something. Mm -hmm. And there just wasn't really a way to like deal with that and get to a safe place. And we had a complicated plan involving deny existences to try to not drown, and it didn't quite work out. But I lived, so it was fine. Yeah, you lived and you got the last memory, I think. Because I think that's what we were trying to get was the last memory. So, you know, I guess it worked out because then we immediately got that experience that which we weren't allowed to spend uh, for five more minutes. (laughs) So... It's definitely <laughs> tough because, I mean, I think what the, the flooding mechanic does really, really well is make you pay attention to the locations because there are like those underground rivers where they become partially flooded and then fully, or, or they can only become partially flooded. But there's also like the underwater caverns where you can swim between the two, even if they're like on the opposite yeah. sides of the map. Those, those are, are cool. really cool to get into. Then there's the tidal pools that are more like, they get more shroud as they get more flooded and they have keys on them. They'll spawn keys on them. And they always come back in later scenarios too. But um, it may, really makes you pay attention to and really hope for like the underwater caverns. I, I got lucky with Harrison. We had um, underwater caverns like one right next to the exit and then one like at the far end of, of where we had to go to like get some stupid memory. <laughs> so we were able to just kind of swim and get out pretty, pretty easily. Uh, yeah, I, the map, the randomness of the map in this, I feel like it's a little bit more than we've seen in previous scenarios. Or, or I mean, I think it was it's on par with a couple of specific scenarios, like Pallid Mask being one of the more famous ones. But also, uh, I think there have been other there have been other scenarios where the map is like mostly randomized. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's like Pallid Mask. It, it, it this I think because there's also the keys and you need certain keys for certain locations. I think in this scenario. Oh, that's true. Uh, that adds like another layer of of randomness on top of just the location placement. Yeah, yeah, that that is true. There are definitely times where, like, I had the purple key, and then I flipped over a location that needed the white key, and then I had to run across the whole thing, get the white yeah. key, run back. <laughs> like, right. can I just use the purple key? And it's it's funny because some of these scenarios remind me a lot of uh, Forbidden Islands, and that's yeah. the sort of yeah. uh, because of the sinking and stuff. But also, it's similar in that Forbidden Island. I mean, it's not a super hard game if you're playing it on like normal anyway but the kind of random placement of like where the special locations are does have a huge impact on how hard it is and how it feels to play it so this is sort of similar yeah i could imagine it would feel pretty bad if you had those um the swim between locations the caverns like right next to each other (laughs) be like oh okay well any other major thoughts on this you have a picture of the deep one bull here for some reason oh god yeah did did you wish to speak about about it i don't know if anybody else is scarred by this particular enemy but (laughs) this is gonna be in the encounter decks coming coming forth and it's a pain in the ass to deal with man it is a pain in the ass to deal with this dude he was kind of annoying but Yeah. yeah i don't know i mean at least he's pretty easy to evade you know yeah that's true He's he's evade like if you get far enough away from him, you can kind of not worry about him. But if you're like really murder thirsty for murdering fish people, then maybe he's gonna charge at you. I don't know. <laughs> I could imagine yeah, if you're playing four player, you just draw this guy like three or four times. And I, well, and I think in in a couple in in at least one of the scenarios where he popped up, we were able to just sort of like evade and leave behind a lot of the fish people and not kill too many of them, and that made it easier. So nice. yeah, but uh, yeah, we definitely do see him again in future scenarios. So I think like at the end of the scenario, you like escape out the hatch and then you bump into Alina and she's like, oh, where have you guys been? And we're like, who, who the heck are you? <laughs> and then she starts, I think she starts to ramble and then all of a sudden we flash back. But the key part at the end of the scenario is it tells us not to spend any of the experience we earned. But then at the beginning of the second scenario, it tells us to spend the experience. This drove me crazy. Yeah, that was that was a huge that was a huge fake out. That was it, annoying. It puts the horror in Arkham Horror. I, I thought it was going to be like, oh, it's because we're flashing back to the past, so we haven't earned the experience of this scenario yet. Of course, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, exactly. But then but we then spent just it. immediately. It, it's like, oh no, you can spend it. I I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I think that the in a weird way, the stuff that you upgrade with that initial experience represents like stuff that you forgot about when yeah. you lost your memories. So yeah, okay, okay, but in that case. So the only reason that they tell you not to spend it immediately is to emphasize that, I guess. So I, I don't know. I guess, but they do it again later between three and four, and it, they do it the opposite way. We'll, I'll talk about it then, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so the second scenario is the vanishing of Alina Harper. Is that your surname? Alina? Yeah. And now we're in the past. It's to us arriving in Innsmouth. Um, our friend Thomas, who's not dead, 
um, and I'm sure it'll be fine, uh, has us looking for her, his uh, colleague Al- Alina, who went into Innsmouth. Uh, I don't remember if she was investigating the cult yet or not, but she was there and she's gone missing. So this scenario is about us kind of wandering on Innsmouth and searching for clues about where Alina could be and who might have something to do with her disappearance. It's very cluey, right? Because you have to, um, the main mechanic is that you have this, this, uh, what's called the suspects deck or the leads, the leads leads deck. deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you have to um, spend a certain number of clues to reveal certain locations and enemies. And you kind of get a sense of who isn't guilty. And then by process of deduction, you figure out who is the real culprit and where they did the thing. Yeah. And the the intro sets the scene a lot. There's a lot of story text in the intro to this scenario, where yeah. it kind of sets up like each character and each like location that like could be suspect. So there's a lot of theme there, but yeah, yeah. This is like another big board. It starts off with like seven locations that are kind of spread out, and then as you go through the leads deck, you get like you can get up to six more locations. Yeah. <laughs> so it's another pretty big board, and the, I think the doom threshold in the scenario was like was this the one that was twenty? Uh, yeah, this, I think so. This was a big one where, like, okay, the first scenario, there's no way to have a Pathfinder or, like, Safeguard or something because you don't have XP yet. But for this one, it's like you you really wanted to have spent your XP getting Pathfinders and stuff for this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we, I mean, our first playthrough of this was pre the most recent Taboo, so that was your last chance to get cheap Pathfinders, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I had to pay more experience for higher education, which is a shitty card now, so they reduced the amount of XP it costs. So, you know. <laughs> I'm not sure that's right. Uh, <laughs> Dan couldn't even upgrade his cards while Dan, while Ben was reading all this story text because it does. You cannot spend your experience until you're done with all the story text. Well, didn't didn't that bite us in the ass? Because like normally we always we make sure to tell Colin to upgrade his deck ahead of time because <laughs> it takes a while. But in this case, it was like, oh well, oh, we can't. No. We can't. It told us not to, and then immediately after Ben reads the text, like, okay, now you can upgrade. I think I scanned through it and I was like, Colin, you need to upgrade your deck before this scenario. Don't <laughs> don't you need to know why? Just do it quickly, please. So yeah, but uh, I lost my place here. Yeah, um, so. It was a big board. Uh, I think when we, when Dan and I and Colin played it through, we definitely messed up the number of clues you had to spend to search the deck, which probably made it a lot easier for us. But how was your experience, Dane, uh, in your playthrough with Harrison? So we got almost all of the leads that we needed, and eventually it came down to like a 50-50 shot at the end, where we we got like six of the seven locations, or, or five of the seven locations, and then five of the seven suspects. So we had to make a choice, and the last action that we could have possibly taken to do so, we found the last uh, location. So we knew the location, but we did not know. It was 50-50 between the, the person who it was. And we guessed Barnaby, because <laughs> screw Barnaby, and we got it. So hey. that opened up a whole new thing, too. I, I kind of I, I was hoping that I could play this through again one more time to see if I even got that, because I don't actually know what it's like when you don't get the, the correct. Oh, uh, would you would you like to know right now? So about to talk about it or do you want to cover? <laughs> do you want me to keep it a surprise for you? I, I kind of wanted uh, to keep it as a surprise. All right. Well, maybe don't I'll read just take out my headphones don't... and walk out of the room so that you guys can talk about it. Don't read any more of the bullet points. <laughs> Look, we gotta we gotta make sacrifices, Dane, to provide content to our adoring fans. This is one of those sacrifices. <laughs> you can take off your headphones, and I'll wave my hands around when we're done talking about it. If you really want, need, need, needlessly complicated. You got you got two <laughs> seconds to decide. All right, we're fine. Uh, we're because fine. if because if you fail if you fail to guess correctly, uh, I think if you get one of the two things right um that's like fine it's kind of okay uh only an an angry mob pops out and it's fine you know it's just a giant angry mob it's the same angry mob you see in the future scenario uh if you get two wrong though i think i think you just lose the scenario Uh, i think the mission's a failure um really i didn't note it down here in my notes but i think that's the the lose the scenario if you get neither wrong so i think you need to i saw that there was a resolution like if you flip that i think it's an agenda that flips and then you must make your decision and then if you it said like if you don't get them right, it's like R two or something like that. And then I think like, that's oh, true. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh well. Anyway, let's continue. Yeah, no, yeah. If if neither card matches or execution, investigators on the wrong track and must immediately resign. Bummer. So you need to get at least one of the two. If you get at least one of the two, you can progress to the the second act in the third agenda. 
uh, which is where you're trying to go investigate the hideout, get the clues to find Alina, and also defeat the actual suspect who was the the bad guy. The perpetrator. As you're exploring the leads deck after this, you find like different uh, townsfolk, and like if you kill them, you write in the campaign log if they're out for blood or something. Oh, that's right. And there doesn't really seem a reason not to kill them uh, until you advance. So like we we like spent as many turns as possible trying to talk to everybody before we advanced because we didn't know what was gonna happen and when you do advance i think they become they become aggro and you can't parlay with them anymore and I'm, I'm waiting to see if somewhere in the campaign like it impacts like if there's any type of benefit to not killing them other than there's no benefit to not killing them because you don't get victory or anything but you do or do you get victory for them I think they have victory zero. I think that that's the only place that we lost some victory. I think some of them have victory and some of them don't. I remember there was this one ugly dude who came out. They might have victory one on him. And he had a victory one. And Tony was like gripping his gun in his holster, like shaking because he wanted to kill him so badly and put a bounty on his head. (laughs) But he couldn't because Amanda was telling him not to. That makes sense. Yeah, no, I think they had victory, but you could parlay them to put them in the victory display and you got their clues and then you could use the clues to look through the lead stack again. In retrospect, it was probably a good choice. Tony might be a little too triggered. I think them being blood makes them come back in the next scenario, um, which yeah. might might be a struggle. What else is going on with this? Uh, yeah, it was another another big map. As I said, the location spawns aren't quite as random as the previous one, but like how depending on how you find them in the leads deck, you might end up with like one on the opposite side of the board from where you are, and that might be where you need to go get more clues again. So there could be a lot more running around. So again, like those movement abilities are yeah, like Dan really said. Strong. I noticed that bigger maps generally, like, you'll know it's a big map when you flip over a location and it's like, spend a resource, fast action move, <laughs> because you know <laughs> that they're compensating for that fact. And this one did have that. Like, Phantom of Truth had that as well, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we've seen other scenarios of that as well. Yeah, and I, I do like that. Yeah, I think, uh, so, comparing these first two scenarios that are in the deluxe box itself, I mean, I, I, I like the vanishing of, of Alina Harper. I kind of, I like the kind of, um, you know, hanging around Innsmouth and seeing the locations and the characters and stuff. But I think of these two, I definitely like the first one better, Pit of Despair, just because I, I like the kind of uh, in-media res, like, opening, and I like the sort of, you know, trying to get out of a labyrinth that's filling up with water. That was, like, really visceral and cool. This, on the other hand, felt sort of similar to something like Threads of Fate, but, like, maybe not quite as cool. But I, I, I still liked it. I think it's less objectives and like it's it's less separate objectives and more like you're kind of trying to figure out this one lead stack from around town. Yeah. You don't have right as much time to walk around town. At least we didn't. Yeah. There's like 16 turns, although I don't remember if there were encounter cards that added Doom. There were, yeah. Oh, there were? Okay. So, but still, even still, you probably still had a good amount of time. Uh, I like the theme of like how it like expands on Innsmouth and kind of sets the sets the like you know this is the spooky town something weird's going on here the whole town's kind of against you they don't want you to go they won't want you to find out what's going on uh, I get that feel from it and I liked that um, the leads deck is kind of like oh we're kind of doing Clue but cooperatively uh, type of feel which which was fun as I said we kind of messed it up a little bit so I can't quite say how easy or hard it is at least for our blind playthrough but. Uh, I still liked it. I still kind of liked the locations and stuff. And I like that in the next scenario, all these locations kind of come back, but like different because it's, uh, you know, after we've gone on an adventure. So, yeah, I think that <laughs> just as an aside, now that I'm thinking about this, I, I don't know why I didn't think about this before, but the title, The Vanishing of Alina Harper, I'm pretty sure that's a call out to The Vanishing of Ethan Carter, which was a video game that was about like solving the deaths of your family and you have to, like, piece together all these memories to figure out exactly what happened. Which is exactly what this cycle is about. <laughs> yeah, it could be referenced to that. I thought there was a Lovecraft story called The Vanishing of Someone. Maybe not. I mean, The Vanishing that. of X is, like, a pretty dope title in general for, like, when someone disappears, right? That's pretty solid. So, I feel, I'm, sure it's, I'm sure it's been used before. So, because, like, it's, Vanishing is a cooler word than, like, The Disappearance. or It's, know, it's definitely a little bit cooler sounding than the alternative, uh, dude, where's my Alina Harper? Definitely, <laughs> is, d- definitely not as sinister. It doesn't really add as much flavor to the experience. We see you, MJ. I bet MJ had that on, on the well, whiteboard right yeah, now. That, that, that was off. probably the working title. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but uh, if you do well in this scenario, you do find Alina Harper, and she can join Yay. your team if you want. Although I think for some, for we did none of us wanted her in our playthrough. We were like, that works. I don't. She's great. She, she gave like book and agility, and like yeah. none of us really wanted that. 
she's like, yeah, and I can help you guys. And we're like, ooh, well, you know, we're kind of, <laughs> thanks. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, she, she would be really good for, like, a, you know, Finn or somebody. Like, there's definitely decks that would really want her, but we, we just didn't really. Amanda took her. Yeah. This guy's. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that was the two uh, core uh, core box or deluxe box scenarios. Uh, the next scenario was uh, In Too Deep, which dun, dun, dun. Uh, another another great name. Uh, Dan loves all the names. Yeah, these are like 10 out of <laughs> oh, 10. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can't get enough of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm really like the one I'm really looking forward to is Horror in High Gear. Oh, but, same. Uh, I'm so excited. But they're, they're all good. They're all good. So uh, this one, we were back in the present timeline. We're with Lelina now. And we're heading back to town, because we need to get back to our car. It's on the other side of town. But now the whole town's boarded up. There's blockades and barriers everywhere. So we have to try to weave our way through the town while it, of course, floods and the fish people are coming out chasing after us. we got to get to our car so we can escape. Which, again, the theme, theme of this is pretty cool. And, as I said, the locations here are the same locations we saw in The Vanishing of Alina Harper, except they're, they're different now, because now they have mechanics based around being blockaded or boarded up. But, like, in name, they're the same, so it's like, oh, or it's the bookstore again, or it's the jail, or whatever. And it's a huge, it's a huge, like, 3 by 6 but three by six map or something, it's right? It's a very yeah. five. <laughs> yeah, it's another 3 by 5 and, like, as the scenario progresses, like you're trying to go from the right side of the map to the left side and like it becomes more the right side is slowly flooding more and more uh with water because it represents the tide coming in no so fish there's also fish coming in <laughs> from that side of the map <laughs> we see so we see the flood tokens again uh we see keys again keys are once again for unlocking memories they pop up in different places throughout and it's kind of hard to get all seven of them you gotta like uh, fight a big monster and you have to have also successfully got the suspect i believe in the last scenario so it can be kind of tricky to get them all around. Plus, you have to explore the whole board if you I think if you want all the keys. Which uh, moving around the board with the barricades uh, is pretty difficult. So that's the main. <laughs> it's tricky. The main yeah. mechanic of this is there's like the use resource tokens to create barricades between different locations, and the players and enemies can't go through barriers. They block your path. But there's abilities on the cards that let you uh, clear out barriers or move them around in order to progress. And you can also just spend clues to do it. Um, which means as long as you can pick up a lot of clues, you're probably in good shape. Like we, when we were doing it, we were sort of playing very conservatively and not spending a lot of clues to move barricades. We were trying to use the abilities on the cards and we ended up having a lot of extra clues at the end. Like I think if, as long as you can pick up clues, you can probably do it too. Yeah. Didn't we blast all our clues at the end to like clear out the last <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. Like I yeah. feel like we had like just enough. We, we kind of like, well, but I mean, we saved up enough clues and then we basically like blasted through three locations at the end all in one, one go or something. Yeah. Yeah, we had the same experience. I thought the one thing that I thought was pretty cool, the flood tokens, rather than just kind of being random and the whole thing flooding, the town flooded from like one side because it's closer to the shore of Innsmouth, which was kind of neat because the, the right side of the board where you start gradually becomes fully flooded and then yeah. the flood comes into the left side of the board as you're trying to run towards the left side of the board. So that was really cool and thematic. This is like a dumb thing to complain about, but I kind of wish that they had reoriented it so that like the part that flooded was the bottom. So it was like three on the three horizontal by like five vertical instead. And it was sort of like you're climbing up to the high ground. I thought that would have been cool, but there was probably, I imagine there was probably a good reason they didn't do that. I think just like play mat wise or play play board wise yeah. i usually think like landscape is a exactly. little better but because the cards are like portrait orientation it would have made a really tall map if they did that so yeah. I, I understand no but i still liked it a lot what else is going on this oh i loved the i loved the shagoth that was in the middle oh like, yeah you, you get to the bus station the, and it's the, like oh that's the bus, the bus. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's not a bus that's a fish bus uh, fish. It. it was just a random shagoth it was great i liked it yeah <laughs> the one thing that i forgot about uh, in Into Deep, I, and I think we, I forgot to mention it in The Vanishing of Elena Harper, parlay is a huge thing, right? Because you're parlaying with all the people across Innsmouth to figure out what's going on and like getting secrets from them and stuff like that in The Vanishing of Elena Harper. And then here, you can parlay, all, almost all the locations, I think, have some way to parlay and remove barriers, barricades. Yeah. So that's a huge deal here. Most of those parlays aren't skill tests, though, but there is, like, an encounter Some card that you can get that's, yeah. like, you're not allowed to parlay for the round or something. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's if you, fine clothes wouldn't really help you very much. It's mostly, I think, their parlays just so they can reuse that encounter card that turns off parlaying for a turn. But, I mean, if they ever have a character or, or other cards that interact with parlay, then those might be might play into that here. I don't know. Fine clothes, the investigator. <laughs> Charlotte Kane? 
I can imagine there being a card at some point that like gives you an extra action each turn to parley or something. Yeah, and that would be that would be quite good for this. Maybe Charlie Kane also to do with parlaying. He's like a yeah social guy or something. I don't know. Could be. What else was going on in this? Oh, there was the deep one invasion card I liked that really built on the theme. It was like a bunch of fish come in from the right side when you draw it. I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, you just fill up with fish. We only got it like once. I think we warded it or it got discarded or something. But it seems like that's probably the card to ward in this one. Yeah. If you can. It spawns two, right? I don't remember exactly. I just remember it was like, oh, yeah, I think it caused some flooding and some fish came in, and it was I liked it. Oh yeah, shuffle the encounter, discard part of the encounter deck for each location to the east of your location in the same row. Discard cards from the top of the encounter deck until a deep one enemy with a hunter keyword is discarded and spawn that enemy in that location. So they like how far you are determines how many you get. Yeah, yeah, the, the yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's brutal. I don't know. Was there any of the cards you guys liked from this or any themes? I like the, I mean, I like the map. I like the sort of like get from point A to point B, you know, very strong sort of geometric hook for the scenario. I, you know, it's not like, oh, you have to spend clues. It's just get here and you win. Yeah. Yeah. And the clues help you get there faster. That was cool. So. And I, and I like the combination of the kind of like flooding and the barricades was kind of a neat interaction. So yeah, I, mm-hmm. I thought this one was pretty good. Yeah. yeah. They also had the, the, one of the chaos uh, bag effects. I think it was like the, the elder thing or something. When you draw it and fail, you have to like oh, go to the yeah. right. <laughs> so you're like oh, yeah. suddenly behind a whole bunch of barricades, and you have to like run all the way around again. That w- that was nasty as hell. There was also an encounter card that was like, oh, it grabs you and pulls you over the barriers or whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That was neat. But that's one of the things we should say that was cool because of the way that hunters work with the barricades. As long as they have an open path, they will take it. But if they have no open path, then they can climb over the barricades. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you can use that to kind of you know force them to kind of do like a serpentine like really roundabout way and kind of like force them to chase you inefficiently that was like a cool kind of extra little game going on in the background that we, we thought yeah was i definitely liked that it was pretty cool so i think at the end of the scenario like the whole, this whole scenario was just like running from fish people trying to get to our car uh so, so that was what happened <laughs> yeah, at the end. Right. we got to our car Fish people hate cars. They're they're all about boats. They're 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 pro boat, anti car. So we jumped in our car, which means it's probably time. The next scenario is definitely the horror, the horror in high gear, right? It's not. Hell yeah! No, (laughs) we 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 flash back again. So uh, this time we're once again not allowed to expend our experience, but this time we actually don't get to spend it until the end until the end of the fourth scenario. Yep. But you know it's fine. Whatever. Uh, Next scenario is Devil Reef, which is a very cool name uh, for location. I think that was right out of Lovecraft books, right? Probably. Yeah, yeah, it is. So this time, we're flashing back. We're on a boat with uh, our good buddy Thomas, who's alive and not dead. Hey, Thomas. <laughs> and hey. and, uh, and our, our friendly captain, Mr. Moore, who keeps telling us how it's such a bad idea to be here, yet he's he's here because we gave him like a dollar or something. So <laughs> we are... So this introduced the vehicle mechanic, which I think we're going to see in at least one yeah. of the scenario, perhaps one that involves cars being in high gear. Vroom, vroom. <laughs> but uh so this was like a a move i guess it's like a movable location is sort of how you could think about it kind of i don't know yeah like you could yeah. get in you could get in and out of the boat uh which was the vehicle and then like one person could spend an action to move the boat and everyone in the boat got to move and while you're in the boat you're protected from uh flooded effects basically because it was unflooded but at the same time the boat could break and it broke a lot <laughs> it did yeah luckily luckily we discovered that amanda is an expert on boat repair and maintenance so the malfunction thing the, yeah yeah exactly. the malfunctions card uh yeah. like it turns out that amanda the student took an elective class in uh high you know aquatic craft maintenance or something <laughs> harrison so. was very upset that that lonnie couldn't fix the malfunction no matter how hard she tried i know right yeah she, <laughs> yeah well, we know we know Lonnie's a lie. We know she's actually a tailor, not a mechanic. Um. Oh, that's true. That's right. I'm sorry. I forgot. So, but yeah, so the theme of this scenario is we were in the boat. We were out in the Devil Reef, which is, you know, the, the area offshore of Innsmouth. And we were trying to investigate um, the cult, uh, was it the Cult of Dagon, or the Esoteric Order of Dagon. Uh, and we had to do that by going all to the different little islands. So there was like five different little island areas. And they all also had kind of a random setup. The islands were all randomized, so you didn't know which island you were going to until you got there. And then you flipped it over, and it would spawn a couple uh, tidal uh, tunnel locations, and possibly one of like three locations you needed uh, for the scenario. And they were like adjacent to each other, so it kind of created like five little tiny mini islands that you had to take the boat to get between. 
Though you could swim if between if you were really desperate, but it took like three actions to swim, so I think we never did that. <laughs> Basically, your whole turn, yeah. You could also take the underwater tunnels. Oh, yeah, it's true. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that's why I love those things. It's They're so neat to find. Those are really neat, yeah. 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 So, so, yeah, once again, this had the keys and it had the location adjacency. Uh, and then, of course, everything was being flooded uh, as the tides was rising. As usual. The locations definitely did a really good job in this in this one too, um, because they, as you're kind of sailing around, there's there's like a middle location which is like open seas, and then you go to island A, and then you spawn a bunch of caves, and then you go into these caves, and it just feels really cool. It feels like you're you're kind of sailing between islands, like a little archipelago. Yeah. I kind of wish the islands were like, because when you flip them over, you reveal new connections between different islands. Kind of yeah. wish those were just present the whole time. So it's like, oh, the board is shaped like a, pentag- a pentagon or whatever. Uh, I think in our playthrough, we actually randomly had them in the circle, which was obviously great for Ben's OCD. Because uh, <laughs> I, I didn't have to move the whole board around. But I did like all the little islands. Um, the keys in this, you had to like find four semi-randomly placed keys in order to... And you needed like two of each of those keys to unlock another key at three different other locations. Yeah, they were like common keys and then like the rarer keys or whatever. There's like the white, black, and the purple one, I want to say, were harder to find. Or they were like in the hideouts or whatever. Yeah, the purple, white, and black were the ones you needed to find. And then the other four were ones that would unlock those. And those were also kind of random, like which ones you needed for each key. Like there was two versions of each location to get like the purple key. And like one of them you'd need like red and blue and the other version you need like yellow and green right so every time you play through you can't be sure like which ones you'll need adds to the kind of like exploration feel you know even even if you're replaying it you sort of have to cover a lot of ground and figure out how to get the keys in this particular permutation of it yeah it reminded me of uh search for Gadath kind of because you're going between all the different locations it was like a less complex version of search for Gadath. <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> And I did like, um, so uh, we know that MJ likes video games a lot. This definitely had like a Wind Waker or like Assassin's Creed 4 vibes to me mm. a little bit because it's like, hey guys, we got a boat. Let's go cruise around and have adventures. I, I think it was like a huge flavor win with, with the boat and with the cool little islands. I think it's a little bit unfortunate that this came out less than a year after Search for Kadath, which, I mean, that won our sort of bracket of like everyone's favorite scenario early back yeah, this yeah. summer. Search for Kadath is really, really good. And this this one, while it was pretty neat, kinda doesn't sort of hold up quite as well in comparison, but it was still cool. We had we had fun playing it. I, I still liked it. I thought it was kind of like a simpler version of Search for Kadath. There's a little bit less story going on. There's still story because like when you find each key, you like find an artifact of the of the cult. And there's more flashbacks too that ensue. Yeah, it, it was it was mostly just that like the locations, the islands didn't feel that different from each other. They just each had a couple random ocean or a couple random caves or something. I liked the, what was it, the bootleggers, uh, bootleggers something? Oh, yeah. Uh, I was like, oh, that's Those cool. Ones, I think that was the one with victory on it, right? Uh, I had a key in it. I don't think I had victory, but there or there was two of them that had keys, but I liked that because I got that. I like the theme of that. That just seemed very yeah. appropriate. Yeah, that was cool. This one also had, uh, I would say, one of the most amazing art pieces that I've ever seen on a card, especially an enemy card. This is like maybe Brown Jenkin level incredible. The uh, Deep One Predator is this, like, comic book-ass giant fish man swimming, like, full bore to the right of the card and, like, just taking a giant bite, I think, out of some, like, smaller fish, looking incredibly furious the entire time. Yeah. We just, we we, we had to stop and stare at this for a while, the Deep One Predator. That is intense. I'm totally down (laughs) with this. The the one thing that they all do, and and I think we, we probably should have mentioned it when we were talking about the first scenario... All of these deep ones have like an on encounter ability, so like you really need to bring your hunting grounds from a- from your apex pack there because yeah exactly one of them will deal damage one of them will deal horror one of them will like like grab the clue the key from you and all that kind of stuff so I I keep getting the assholes that do one damage to you when they engage you <laughs> and I mean it, luckily I mean Amanda has seven health so it's not as dangerous as it would be for like Daisy but it's still just every time it's like God damn yeah. wasn't that the yeah. cause of like uh colin's death in the first scenario was these deep ones that just automatically did damage or something when they engaged you i think that might have been what finally killed him i don't remember and i think he never got like his health soak uh mary card so <laughs> it just, just i mean hey mary down. mary has five health it's bad yeah that's 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 a disadvantage the other enemy i want to mention really quickly the uh the anime kraken that has like bright <laughs> shiny anime eyes 
Uh, yeah, it looks like a Pokemon. So Ben was <laughs> I never very sad. That. Yeah, it, Ben. Ben was very sad to kill it because it looks a lot like a Pokemon. It it just wanted to be your friend. Like those tentacles, <laughs> the tentacles crushing you. Those were it was just hugging you. Yeah, it just wanted a hug. Um, but that was for real though. I thought that the way that worked with the flashback was really really cool. Yeah, yeah it it's important. Something was important, I think, from the first one. If you had a battle with the devil or something, if you uncovered a very specific memory. Right. It, it was specifically, I think, if you defeated the devil. Yeah, because it, it switches the variant of it. One of them can be defeated. The other one can't. So right. that was that's a really, really cool design decision, I thought. And I think we had that flashback, so we were able to defeat it, sadly. Yeah. It's very we sad. We were really sad about it. But if you don't, and then you recorded the campaign log, whether it was killed or not. So if you didn't get that flashback in the first scenario... So you, so you weren't able to cure it here in Devil Leaf. I'm assuming it's going to pop up again in a later scenario. And or maybe yeah. it means that your memory. <laughs> maybe it means you realize your memory was false, and that's part of the conspiracy. Maybe, maybe it gets its own car and follows you in horror and high gear or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like M- MJ watched Monster Cars or whatever that that weird. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to the anime crack and getting in a giant monster truck and chasing us down the highway <laughs> in our 1920s car. It's going to be great. Uh, <laughs> the uh that battle though was so intense for harrison and i because like amanda basically just she got again her pathfinders out and ran into the caves while tony just kind of stayed in the boat and then came out if he needed to murder something and uh mm. <laughs> we didn't really know that the kraken was going to spawn we just got this other really big enemy on us i can't remember what it was called but it it had like five health and made you discard cards and then when mm. you had no cards in hand it like engaged you so I had no cards in my hand. I, I had guns and stuff, but the turn that I had to deal with it, I got two auto fails and then three curse tokens came out of the bag, followed by a minus four. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I guess I'm just not killing stuff this turn. And then the, the the huge thing spawned. And then I got an encounter card that spawned like another guy on me. And then I got another <laughs> encounter card that like pulled me out of the, sh- out of the boat. Then I found my shotgun <laughs> and I found my uh, sleight of hand and... Again, this is pre-sleight of hand nerf, because I wanted to do this so badly. I was able to kill the Kraken with a shotgun, and it reminded me very much of that that idyllic, meme-worthy point in, in The Watchmen when Rorschach says, I'm, uh, you're not in here with me, I'm in here with you, or whatever. Because <laughs> Tony just gets pulled under the water and then murders everything. Yeah. It was, it was fantastic. Sounds like a good time. I hope yeah. you, you feel, felt good about killing that just that, that friendly, <laughs> friendly Kraken. Yeah. You know it. You know when it dies, it probably makes this like really sad, like whale it's sound. Like a, you know, yeah, it's it's really <laughs> oh, sad. That's actually sad. <laughs> it's well, maybe we'll be able to find his monster truck and drive it next scenario. Yeah, all it, all it wanted to do was uh, just hug. <laughs> yeah. So I think uh, I think that's all. That was Devil Reef. Uh, at the end of Devil Reef, we finally we got to spend our experience this time. Yay! So do, do we think, yeah, do we think that the remaining four scenarios are going to continue the alternating flashback thing as it's uh, been so far? Or is it going to switch to, like, all the present ba- or all the Based on the campaign log where three of the scenarios are, like, taped on over the campaign log and two of those are the ones that are flashbacks, I'm assuming okay. that there's one more flashback scenario. That kind of makes sense. So maybe it's, like, the last three scenarios are all the present or something, or, or the last two. No, you know. it's, like, the next two, I think, are the present, and then the seventh scenario, I think, is the flashback, and then the last okay. scenario is... So, so that we hit the climax of the flashback, followed by the climax right. of the main story. That's that's cool. I kind of like that. Yeah. The one thing to note here, too, is that the flashbacks in this one put back tokens, right? Yeah, I think that they're they're putting back tokens in the bag that you previously removed. Yeah, each object that you <laughs> succeed at finding, which you can you can choose not get all of them because you can get in the boat right away. Which <laughs> only one like if you're not all in the boat when someone resides, you leave people behind, which is very funny. But uh, yeah, each each object that you find, you don't get to keep it because it's like oh they they ca- captured you, so they took it away from you when they captured you. And you do add a spooky token back to the bag for each one. Yeah, that kind of balances out with the earlier flashbacks. So, like, I think our bag now has, like, two of each, maybe minus one for some flashback, taking an extra one out or something. They definitely, just, like, planning out this campaign in, in you know, Roseville, Minnesota, they must have had a giant-ass whiteboard <laughs> with a whole bunch of, like, <laughs> strings and stuff on it just to keep track of all this. I I mean, I feel like this one is a little bit less complicated than um, the the last one was. And, uh, what was the last one? It's been so long. Interdeem? 
Dream, dream Eaters? Dream Eaters. Which oh, Dream I, Eaters, yeah. Oh, no. Actually, I don't know now. No, I'm wrong. This this is, <laughs> is more complex. Yeah, just, just keeping the flashbacks and stuff. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think that the flashbacks... I think it's it's really neat and it has been interesting in sort of the way that the campaign is structured so far. I think that it seems to have uh, increased the amount of story text there is to read by a pretty large amount. Am I right about that? Oh, yeah. The first scenario, we were like, oh, there's only one paragraph of story text. That's weird. But <laughs> I, you know what I would really love to see is a I'd love to see a graph of the total number of words of story text in each campaign starting from Dunwich up to... Because I feel like it just goes up every time. It's been increasing. Yeah, which which is fine. Like, they're exploring new narrative possibilities, but it, sometimes it does feel like, okay, Ben has a lot of text to read. Yeah, I, I like the story text. I always think it sets us the theme, and I think it gets, it's gets it been getting better, like, words-wise. You know, That's every true. Every time. But I do feel like sometimes it can, like, interrupt the flow. Like, all right, we're sitting down to play a scenario. Let me just read these two pages real quick. Maybe if I was a better uh, war raider, that's the word, I think, uh, it would be smoother. No, but... I, I think it's also, I mean, what really annoys me is there's been a couple scenarios so far, not in this campaign, I think, where there's like an interlude in the middle of a scenario. I always hate that. Like, I mean, yeah, you know, I, I guess it can be cool. It's just, it's always like, come on, let's keep playing. You know? The I like the flashbacks are like one paragraph. They're like, oh, we found this thing. Like, oh, we remember what this is. Uh, but when there's a flashback in early, that's like one page that definitely does yeah, slow it down yeah. a little bit. It's also not really front-loaded, right? Because even even aside from those, I think there have been like two really big interludes between all the times that you get your memories. Yeah, There was an interlude after Devil Reef, and there was yeah. one after the first yeah. scenario, where you have to like read this huge interlude. And then you gain some experience, because you do some certain things. Then you can Text proceed. at the end of the scenario is fine. Like I like that. I, I yeah. just, when there's a lot of text yeah. at the beginning or in the middle, I feel like it slows it down a little bit. But I still like all the story text. I still insist on reading it. So you know, you you certainly do. And I we we've mentioned earlier a little bit about the kind of restrictions on when you can spend experience. So I appreciate what they were going for with that, like sort of trying to answer the because because I guess if there was no limitation on that, it would feel weird that you would be jumping back and forth between the present and the past, but you would keep just adding cards to your deck. It would feel weird. But I think that this is a case kind of like all the supply stuff in Forgotten Age where it just adds another layer of complication to like the setup and the in-between scenario part of the game, which can be okay. It's just like it's it's yet another thing that kind of you have to think about and worry about. But I, I don't know. I, I'm interested to see how it works in the remainder of the campaign. I'm not like totally against it. Yeah, I haven't liked that too much, especially because it, it seems inconsistent. Like if it was one thing like... You don't get to sp- when you do the flashback. You don't get to spend it till after the flashback because oh, now you've remembered that you did this stuff or something. But because the, between the first and second scenario, you got to spend it right away. I didn't, I didn't like that that much. But yeah, I, I agree about that. It'd be better if it was consistent. What I am wondering about this campaign is like, will it be cool to like do an alternate version where you like do them in chronological order? Once the whole campaign's out, do you like maybe do scenario? you know two four seven and then you know one three whatever i I think you would have to you'd have to customize some stuff about how the campaign rules work like you'd have to basically redo you'd have to do your own interpretation of it but that would be neat yeah but i'm sure someone will come up with a cool variant of that that lets you play it chronologically the other kind of story themes that we mentioned so far fish it's been a lot of fish (laughs) stuff like Uh, water quite quite a bit of h2o going on in this in this campaign i mean the the, the themes of the story are like the we can't trust that we can't trust anybody here nobody wants us here nobody wants us to figure out the secrets the whole town's against us we, we don't we can't we can barely find anyone to trust and it's because there's it's because fish people control the town right yeah which is very much the intimate feel right that's like kind of how it is and the uh the whole flashbacks thing while it is mechanically translated well i think some of them kind of leave it a little disjointed, like you guys were saying with the experience thing. I'm not like a huge fan of that just because I love spending experience. It reminds me of uh, this movie with Tom Hanks called Cloud Atlas, which is like this like really weird, you're going between like super far out into the future and like super far back into the past and like Victorian era and then you're like in the modern era and there's just like same actors are playing all these people. It's a cool concept, but it's a little disjointed. That's how kind of how I feel like the experience <laughs> lends itself to this to the campaign the not spending it anyway i hate it i want to spend it my experience i think there's an awkward thing where i think you can still do like in between scenario stuff like arcane research and uh i had i actually had that question. it doesn't say like skip unlike like um heart of the elders it doesn't say like proceed directly to whatever so there's still the in between scenario stuff where you're allowed to 
Like, if you had experience that you were allowed to spend, like maybe you did a uh, side story, or you had something left over, I don't know, then I think you'd be allowed to spend that experience. Or you can at least do, like, Adaptable or um, Arcane Research, I think. I was going to say, being a dirty rogue, I was wondering about Adaptable, <laughs> because I really wanted to... to figure out if i could put stuff in my at deck least that's how i've been playing it with a dexter who has both arcane research and adaptable so hopefully i'm not doing that wrong <laughs> the thing i was wondering was how do exile cards work like that seems like that could be kind of weird oh yeah oh. do you just have an illegal deck state that well no i i guess somebody no I, <laughs> somebody has to have mentioned i that. guess for exile it'd be the same thing you still have the in-between scenarios where you're allowed to modify your deck without spending experience. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I think you just have to you just have to pick a level zero card to swap in. Yeah, that sucks. Because what if you have like test of will one and then you want to get test of will two? Well, then you should have gotten the like five the the cat card, the five experience one that reduces the cost of exiles. <laughs> I guess, which is somehow right. very thematic. Oh yeah, that's true. Hmm. Was there any <laughs> other uh, story mechanics or anything you want to talk about? I mean, the one thing that I think everybody had agreed upon in the Innsman's conspiracy so far is that these maps, these maps yeah. be huge, man. <laughs> these these maps are massive. And, and that, I'm I'm honestly kind of fine with that, mostly because they're not just huge maps, but they're, they're, they're it's, they've largely been kind of pallid mask-likes or something like that. Uh, they've, yeah. they've been either like randomized or they've been like an orthogonal grid that's like carefully laid out. Or they've been kind of like a progressively explored thing, like in the first scenario, kind of like Pallid Mask. So those have all been really cool. So I, I'm, I'm mostly happy with that part. Yeah, the big maps also are linked in with like longer scenarios, though. Like all these scenarios have been like 18-ish, plus or minus two, Doom. That is very that is true. true yeah. yeah. Which, you know, I'm usually fine with, but I know some people might be like trying to squeeze in like, you know, an Arkham game in two hours. And if you're playing with... Three, four people. Yeah, I think the Iron Man for this in a couple of years could be could be tricky. Yeah, <laughs> and and it is. I mean, I I'm fine if it, I'm fine if a scenario goes long, but it definitely if, if one scenario take it starts at like the three hour mark, you start to feel a little bit like, come on, let's just come on, let's finish it, let's finish it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think Search for Gadap eventually felt like that for me when we hit the three and a half hour mark. I was like, <laughs> oh God, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> like that one kind of earns its length by being really really good and interesting and and i mean these these ones yeah, kind of do yeah. too it's just you know it, it it's a lot of long scenarios yeah i mean i i definitely enjoyed i think all four of these i don't think any of them was uh, a whiff or anything yeah Same. yeah and they all definitely have a lot of replayability just because of how random like the random location and keys i think uh doubles up doubles down or multiplies the replayability a bit too so there's randomness in that and there's different ways it can shake out but Compared to the previous couple of campaigns, you know, Forgotten Age, you could do, like, an Ichitaka run and a Alejandro run and a, like, Forge Your Own Path run. Carcosa, there's, like, Doubt and Conviction. With this one, so far, we haven't really seen that type of branching yet, right? We've only seen, like, did you get the flashbacks? Yeah, there's been there's been no, like, story yeah, branches yeah. in that, um, like, decisions that you make. It's more like, if you got a flashback, then maybe that has a repercussion in a future scenario. But that's not as big a branch as we've seen previously. So I'm I'm a little bit concerned that that might affect the replay value of things, but I mean the fact that each of the if each of the scenarios is fun enough and each of the scenarios is very replayable, I think that will sort of counteract it. Yeah. No, I think it, I think so far it's been some fun uh, fish-filled times. So I'm excited uh for Horror and High Gear and whatever the other cool names are. I just remember Horror and High Gear is next. So A Light in the Fog is the Yeah, Light in the Fog. Uh, I think yeah, one of them is like the, the Tides of Madness or something. The Lair of Dagon uh, and Into the Maelstrom. So good. So good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we should maybe, should we talk really quickly about the sort of card mechanics that have been introduced so far and what we think about those? Uh, I mean, the main one is what? Bless, bless and Cursed, right? Has there been any other big ones? Yeah. And I mean, I think the jury is still out on that. I, I mean, I what I would say so far is it just feels like they don't really matter at all. Yeah. I think we're going to be in much better shape to evaluate uh, at the end of the campaign once we have the full cycle. And I'm surprised, actually, that Blessed Cursed didn't really show up much in these scenarios. I think there was, like, one in the third scenario where, like, maybe you could, like, add cursed tokens oh, yeah, right. to move a barricade or something. You can. Yep. Right. That's exactly yeah. it. I, I think we've been assuming that there would be one scenario where Blessed Cursed was, like, a kind of a core mechanic yeah. of the scenario itself so maybe that's one of the remaining in the back half one of the remaining four maybe there isn't one and we're just guessing but that would be cool 
one last thing about Blessed and Cursed Tokens. I believe every scenario we've played so far, and we have Sister Mary, so that's a lot of Blessed Tokens, and I'm, I'm playing Promise of Power, so there's like some Cursed Tokens going around too. I think every scenario, at least once, often much more than once, someone has drawn like bless 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 zero or bless 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 <laughs> tentacles and every time it's absolutely hilarious and i love it so colin finally got the guardian covenant so that at least in those cases if he hasn't used it yet he can rest he can rescue the I three useless he, bless tokens right. so i think he uses it every turn oh yeah no absolutely <laughs> uh, well we were i mean i think the previous one either you or him actually passed because of a bless token and we were like holy shit it finally happens <laughs> have you guys lost because of a curse token that was in there and like you like we have throw once a fist or twice. up in the air at, at whoever put it in <laughs> i think a couple times yeah, yeah. That, that, it, i mean we don't have too many cursed or anything so we have like pops i think yeah <laughs> if i if i do a turn where i do like you know three or four tests with a pop under me that's about the most we can do yeah yeah i adopted in the new spells that like uh, give have a bonus off of a curse oh, the curse spells, never, drew, yeah. never drew a curse oh, well, <laughs> when i right. use them but <laughs> Do you even have Faustian bargains, Ben? No, I, I, I don't <laughs> oh know if I need. I, I ended the game with like sixteen money, so I don't. We've both been just very rich so far. Uh, Colin's unfortunately very poor, and Colin's always like, uh, "Can I play a stand together on one of you guys?" And we're like, "Well, we don't really need cards or money." So yeah, I think. I mean, with very minimal investment, you can get a, a pretty decent amount of curses and or blessed tokens because, like. As Tony, I'm playing two Faustian Bargains and then two Keep Fates, and both of those throw a considerable amount of stuff in. And then Amanda's playing uh, Pop, like you said, Promise of Power, and then also Stirring Up Trouble, which puts can potentially put a ton of shit in the back. Yeah, we. I've thought about Adaptable League and Faustian Bargain, but David Renfield just gives me so much money, and, and all the <laughs> and these scenarios have all had pretty long agendas. This so. is the perfect <laughs> campaign for Mr. David Renfield's. He's it's finally his time to yeah, shine. David I think all of the agendas are like six, at least six, but some of them some of them are like eight or nine. At least six. Yep. One of them's like six five four three, so that was like the worst one. <laughs> oh, that was cool. But though. the other yeah. ones were definitely like six seven to nine. It was great. My theory so for money. this is that they have to print so many locations that they have to print fewer agendas, like to to make the card number in the pack match. Like I uh, I, I legit think that that might be yeah. yeah. I mean, they could just print different encounter cards if they like. You know, I like the theme of the fish though. They how they like encounter. They have like all encounter effects where they like deal damage to you when they when they jump on you and stuff it feels more like tribally than than usual the usual suspects of a certain thing like witches had to deal with hexes cultists generally deal with doom it's cool i like it i really like that kind of thing because like tying a sort of collective like you know keyword or trait or something to a mechanical identity in the encounter cards or the enemies i think that's really neat so i've been pretty pretty impressed with that yeah for sure I think I think for that reason, <laughs> I just want to I just want to mention real quick. I'm I'm very excited to go through this again with Yorick so that I can bury bury deep the the deep one bull because seriously <laughs> fuck that guy. I'm so tired of drawing him like two or three times in a scenario yeah. and having to deal with. I, his I feel like ass. if we just if we just rolled through this with Mark, we'd just like kill him whenever he shows up and it'd be fine. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of how it's been with Tony, but it's just like oh come on again. <laughs> Because he's not elite, and he doesn't have Monster victory Monster level 5, pretty good. Yeah. Or waylay, even. You could, he's probably a good waylay. Or, uh, what is it, one-two punch would be would be good also. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think if we had to kind of, you know, obviously only half the campaign is done. If I kind of had to sum up where I'm at, uh, I've enjoyed it a lot so far. All the scenarios, I think, have been pretty cool. Uh, the theme has been pretty cool, and uh, I'm excited to play the remaining four. Are you guys roughly on the same page yeah definitely liking this a lot so far uh, i think you predicted this was going to be an extremely good campaign when we sat down to play scenario one and you're not wrong yet so <laughs> my my like uh my like alternating between great yeah. campaigns and okay campaigns theory like the star trek movies <laughs> is I, the evidence for it is just adding up <laughs> it's interesting because this one's almost even better right because out of all of our like mid-campaign check-ins Thinking about the Dream Eaters, there's Spider Hospital, which is kind of a miss for... I know that Dan doesn't necessarily really like it. Infestation tests were kind of hard. And then um, in in the Circle Undone, there's the Prologue, which I don't even really want to talk about. And then there's the Forgotten Age, which is the Forgotten Age. 
So, like, as as a whole right now, or as a half, I guess I should say, it's with conspiracy, two thumbs up. I'm I'm having a good time. And, and I should also say, my, my, like, alternating theory, I think most people would disagree, because I don't think hardly anybody likes Circle Undone as much as I do. That's, like, way up there for me, and I think a lot of other people hate it. Or at least are not that impressed by it, but I, I like it a lot. And I, and I like Innsmouth, too, so far. Yeah, I'm finding that Innsmouth is, is creating a similar vibe to circle undone as well where there might be specific investigators or specific like you said renfield cards that will shine in it because of mechanics and things the way that things are like circle undone was all about will and if you have high will you're going to do great this we i think we have still have a bit more to see but like from what, what we can see right now david renfield and i'm definitely gonna gonna say york is gonna be one of those star hits because fuck the deep one bull man he's 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 the man he's the man but yeah so how does everybody else feel about the intimate conspiracy so far uh what what is everybody else hoping to see later in the cycle? Who else hates Deep One Bull with everything inside of them and considers Yorick a hard counter to the circle and done because of it? Let us know your thoughts. Reach out to us on Facebook, Reddit, Instagram, Discord, wherever you listen to podcasts, or email us at comments at mur.fm. If you'd like to help support the cast, consider donating to our Patreon. Otherwise, thanks for listening, everybody. Stay safe, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.